0: So I'm running a bunch, not taking my medication, basically not eating, basically not sleeping. So, you know, you kind of just end up in a place where you're like, oh my gosh, where am I? And luckily, and I think this comes kind of with age and understanding the illness, as you get older, I was like, I need help. (laughs) And that was really good. And one of the first times that I had been in an episode, which can happen every few years, that I decided like, I'm gonna ask a friend.
1: Welcome to Happy Athlete, a podcast about overcoming obstacles and sparking change in ourselves and the world. We'll dig into mindfulness, enhancing performance, jumpstarting our passions, and learn tools to be stronger, happier, more grateful, and at peace. Hi everyone, this is Sean Conley. Welcome to today's episode of Happy Athlete. My guest today is Allie Nolan. Allie is the author of the new book, Master the Marathon, The Ultimate Training Guide for Women. She's a journalist and contributor for Runner's World. Allie is active in empowering women in the running world. She has given talks at the Under Armour Women's Panel and many other events. Allie herself has also completed multiple marathons and countless other races. Allie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited to speak with you. Congratulations on the book. I... Here it is, right here. I know you out there. You can't can't see it, but it is. It's an awesome uh, master of the marathon. It's actually right out in paper book, which is great. And I finish it in just a couple of days. It's powerful. It's inspiring, and it's about so much more than the physical aspects of running. Beyond just like a physical training guide, and you know, so I'm super excited to talk about it. You know, and as we were talking about um, before we got the show going in Pittsburgh, the marathon here is is a, is a super big deal. It, it, it's like a it's like a holiday. Like As the marathon approaches, it's like you better go get your grocery shopping in and get your food and get your water because the roads are going to be closed. There's going to be nowhere to go. And before you know it, you're going to hear cowbells and you're going to be only, you can only get around around on foot. So I was hoping just to kind of break the ice here that you could give us a history lesson on a marathon and why it's twenty six point two I don't know if it has something to do with humans wanting to suffer yeah. um you know i <laughs> I, did, I did some research and it was all over the board ancient Greek mythology, yeah. the Olympics, the British royal family, and we're hoping you could give us a history lesson to explain the origin
0: absolutely, so this is it is a really interesting distance, and um It stems from this like ancient Greek guy, Pheidippides, who um, ran 26.2 miles to marathon um, to announce. Nope. Well, here's where it gets tricky because one part says that he was like announcing a victory of, oh boy. You might have to help me with some sort of army. But another one is saying that he was warning about an invasion. But no matter what, it doesn't matter. He ran 26 miles. Um, and at the end, he died um, from, because he ran so hard and so fast. But so that's kind of like the abbreviated legends of the marathon um do you want me to go into like super duper detail i would just have to no that's that's, that's (laughs) perfect so so the
1: greek mythology is really really where it got going then
0: exactly and then the point two Mm-hmm. comes from like the 26.2 it just seems like a really absurd distance so that was actually added on at a certain point by the British royal family because they wanted the r- runners in the Olympics um this was only men back in the day to run past the um whatever royal kingdom they were like residing at or something so that's where that kind of arbitrary distance comes from um really just, you know, the Royals just wanting it their own way. So
1: <laughs> mm. well, that, that's a perfect segue because you, you said men only. And and so I wanted to ask you, um, so when I go see the race here, you know, we always go down, watch it. It, it appears that it's now 50-50 male, yeah. female runners. And in the book, I think you mentioned that about as, well, as well, but it's, it's not always been like that. And I was hoping you could tell us what was happening in the marathon world as recent as just you know the, the 1960s?
0: Ugh, yeah, totally. So for a very long time when marathoning was a, a thing, which remember this was like from ancient times and then all the way through the Olympics, um, it was men only because medical professionals thought that the marathon distance was way too long for women. And really they thought um, that like – you know, we could handle maybe like 800 meters or something ridiculous like that. Um, They said that it would damage our reproductive organs or that we were just like too frail to handle um, this kind of load. So that's nuts, obviously, because as you said, now it's about 48% of the marathoning population is women. Um, And that'll, you know, ebb and flow each year. So yeah, 50-50 basically. Um, But in 1966, there was this woman named Bobby Gibb and she is like a hero. She's um, this amazing woman who is an artist and um, it's got this amazing long hair. So basically just a goddess. Um, She was running like long, long distances, 40 miles at a time. And she would just um, point at like the top of a mountain and say, I'm going to run to there. Um, And she would do it. She would have people drop her off at different places in the road and then just like she would run home. So we're talking like huge amounts of distance and nobody was telling her she couldn't do it, but she was kind of like in her own island um, running this and not really realizing that people were saying she couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So then she like realizes that there's this race called Boston and she's like, I'm going to go run this race um and she ran it in nurse's shoes she ran it without a bib number so that means she didn't enter the race at all um and this was in 1966 and she just you know kind of joined in and ran the race and that that was that there was no fanfare but people were kind of like what is that woman doing so the next year Catherine Switzer another hero she decides to enter the race And she enters the race under a pseudonym so that nobody knows that it's a woman entering it. So she gets assigned in bib number 261, which will later become kind of her trademark. But anyway, um, she lines up to race and there's this like old mean race director named Jock Semple and people are buzzing. Like there's a woman running. Like there's, do you see the lady? And she's wearing like this gray sweatsuit and she starts off running and Jock Semple sees her and literally drags her, tries to drag her off of the race course, like puts his hands on her. And luckily she was running with these two men who were like, no, Jock, like get off of her and they get him off of her and she's allowed to run and finish the race. So she was the first official woman um, to cross the Boston finish line. So that was like a huge deal, obviously, but um, some men were up in arms and obviously some were um, supportive and that was great. Um, But it still took until like 1972, um, the New York City Marathon allowed women. And I mean, if you think about it, it's like that's 1972. It's not that long ago. And then the other crazy thing to think about is, you know, we just had the Olympics, we didn't have a women's Olympic marathon until 1984. So that's not even 40 years ago. Um, this is pretty new for us. And it's, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see like how far women progress in this distance, considering it, it feels like a, a newer, a newer sport, which is in, to me insane, but mm. yeah.
1: <laughs> that's great. The, um y- the book is also funny too. Like you, you you know, you know, sometimes, you know, running, you know, people who run, we talk about it, it can be very, very serious. And you talk about uh, a serious subject, which is is extrinsic and intrinsic motivation, but you started off with, you know, we hear this for everything. Like, like at our yoga studio, Oh, the, the, you know, I'm a new year's resolution. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do my new year's resolution this year is, a marathon, but you, you go from there and you break it down. And what, what I thought was so fascinating about how, how you talk about that is it could be applied to almost anything one does in life. C- can you lighten this on the extrinsic, intrinsic motivation and and, and goals as well?
0: Yes. So, uh, I, I'm glad you asked about this because I love this because it really does relate to every aspect of life when you're training for a marathon or when you decide like, I'm ready to do a marathon. Um, I'm asking runners to really dig deep inside themselves and be like, well, why? And not just new year, new you, or like, I want to lose 10 pounds because um, in running. You're going to get to like that 20 miler. And if you're like, that's the only thing that's in your brain. Like I, my goal is, that I want to run a marathon because it's New Year's, that's not really going to get you to the finish line. That's probably not going to get you to the 20 miler. And I think it goes for a lot of things. Like I know I made the New Year's resolution to do yoga for like a month and I got to like day 14 and I was like, well, why though? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the intrinsic motivator is going to be like this deeper, um, you know, bottom of the onion. Why? So... Instead of saying like I just want to lose weight, I want to lose ten pounds. It would be like I want to be healthier. Like, and what does health mean to you? Like, maybe I want to lower my blood pressure, like, uh, and live longer. You know, it, it really boils down to something that is, you know, really deeper. Um, and I know, like, mentally, it could be for clarity. It could be for like finding your best self. Um, that's a big one for me. Like the next time I run a full marathon, it will be like, I want to find my truest potential in running. Right. And that's like kind of a huge thing, kind of scary. I think some people are fearful of, um, finding their true motivation in running and that should also be exciting to people.
1: (laughs) Mm, I love it. So the easiest way to think about, I guess, is, is like, like your why, and if, if your why is something that you know is healthy, whether physically, mentally, then that's, that's what you're, what you're getting at.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think it, and I know like that, that it's really easy to be like, find your why, right? Like we mm-hmm. say that we see that on Instagram all right. the time. And I think, um, there's some in the book, there's like some exercises where you can like really like dig down into know what really is your why, um, and, and drilling into that, um, I think will reveal something more about you than just wanting to run a marathon or just wanting to, you know, pick up on a hobby or running or whatever and, and more about like what you're actually looking for out of life.
1: Yeah, I love that because it's it's like, you know, because you mentioned, you know, for me to really get this, like if I have this goal and I want to accomplish it, if, if, the, if the reason isn't something like that, that's in, in my heart, it's always going to be a struggle. Yeah. One
0: hundred percent, yeah, and you know, like, there's plenty of people that are like, I have a marathon on my bucket list, and like, I have no why. Like, why then? <laughs> like, why, why put yourself? Because it is like a, a huge physical load, right? And so, yeah, you want it to be in your heart, and I think that most people that that do say like, oh, I want to run a marathon, they have that, they do have their why, but like, it might just take some searching for it. Mm.
1: I was, I was hoping to ask you about, you wrote an amazing article in, in running, Runner's World um, that I stumbled upon um, when I found out about your book. And I, I wanna read the title and it, it it's, Running is not my therapy, but therapy did make my running better. And when I first saw that, I, I had to read it twice. Cause for me, whenever, um, you know, someone says, oh, you know, um, you know, I do yoga and I do running. Cause when I, when I run, you know, that's also my therapy, I can get into the zone and, but your article, it, it looks at it in a, in a different way, which I thought was, was really powerful it was, it was, it's, a, it's, you shared such a brave story because you talk about your, um, bipolar disorder. And I was hoping that you could share like what you went through and, and, and how you built your life back from what you called it a, a total collapse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, yeah, I'll start from the beginning, which is um, I was working a high high stress job at Runner's World. I was running a lot because I was chasing that zone and that calmness. And I was in something in bipolar disorder called a mixed state, um, which is when you're in it, you don't really understand what's going on. (laughs) And I was blaming everything I was blaming. And I'll, uh, let me back up. I'll explain. Like, that means basically you are in like a manic episode, which means your energy is like all over off the charts, crazy, but you're simultaneously depressed. Um, Which kind of creates this very strange, catastrophic um, black hole where you're like, I'm up all night. And I'm like, wanting to do everything, but at the same time, life is pointless. And it's a really grim area to to be in. Some people kind of will think about bipolar disorder and be like, the manic place must be super fun. And it's like, no, it gets real scary. (laughs) I promise. Um, But at this, so anyway, that was like a total side note. Um, Yeah, I was in that area and I was running a lot because I thought that running was what could calm me down. It had in the past. And I thought if I just kept running and if I ran more, then I will be able to like dig myself out of this hole. Um, but that wasn't happening. And my body was breaking down and I was like, well, then it must be the medication I'm currently taking, which, yeah, it wasn't working, but I stopped taking it completely because you're just thinking irrationally at that point, or I was thinking irrationally at that point. So I'm running a bunch, I'm not taking my medication, basically not eating, basically not sleeping. So, you know, you kind of just end up in a place where you're like, oh, my gosh, where am I? And I, luckily, and I think this comes kind of with age and understanding um, the illness as you get older, I was like, I need help. <laughs> and that was really good. And one of the first times that I had been in an episode, which can happen um, every few years that I decided like, I'm going to ask a friend. I was really lucky to have a friend, um, who understood mental illness and he was like, yeah, let's get you some help. It's cool. Um, and so basically I had a lot of skills like CBT skills, cognitive behavioral therapy, therapy skills, um, in my back pocket, I had just forgotten about them, which, you know, happens. (laughs) And so I, after I was getting help and like back in therapy, um, I recognized like I had thrown all of those away But they're so useful and they're not just useful for life. They were really useful for running. And that's actually where like the motivation for the book came from, because I was like, there are more people like me who might not necessarily be bipolar, but like might be thinking of running in like very black and white terms, like either I'm getting a PR or I'm a failure. Right. Uh, Or or might be like really trying to self medicate with running and not realizing that there might be something underneath that, um, that they're literally running from, um, whether that be like trauma, or a mental illness, depression, or just like, you know, everyday problems in their own life that might be better handled by thinking about them in a more rational way. So basically, I was like, okay, these are thought distortions, which is like the fancy way of saying like your brain isn't thinking about things correctly. Um, And I decided to start challenging those back with CBT, see what worked and what didn't. And it made my running so much more enjoyable because all of a sudden I was not pushing myself every day to go out and try to run my best. I was like, this is a form of exercise. <laughs> it is healthy for me and if I don't feel like doing it that's okay. Um so it really created like a more balanced version of my running life.
1: Mm, that's great. And, and it's you know uh, it's so um, great that you can share that now cuz you know I was thinking you know as athletes it's you know we're not supposed to show that we're vulnerable. We're we're, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be like robots and I feel like we've crossed into a new territory these days you know like most re- most recently with Simone Biles and the fact that you know you being a running running expert and, and working for runners world and that you can share this this article online that maybe 10 or 15 years ago that probably wasn't the case
0: right there'd be no way like Naomi Osaka like could you imagine 10 years ago her saying something right. like This is too much pressure, you know, and I'm so glad for that. I think I also play tennis and, and that, and I think that any of the solo sports, right. And obviously like the team sports too, but like the amount of internal pressure that you receive externally and then that you're putting on yourself, um, if you don't stop and like take a a second and like, you know, think about what is best for me, that can really destroy you or exacerbate like the problems that you're feeling. Um cross country runners, I ran cross country in high school and yeah, it is just like this constant internal battle where you're running up against your best and that's always what you're trying to get to is your best time, your best everything, your best split, your best pace. And um it really creates like perfection perfectionistic thinking. Um and I'm so pleased that nowadays we're talking about it because I think like in when that starts happening in middle school and high school, I think we can kind of remedy it. So you don't have like this um, bunch of adults who are trying to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. I think there can be a, definitely a better balance.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is like a perfect, uh, what I was hoping to transition in, into now, and that is that is mindfulness. and And you do such an amazing job of that in the book and as you're just saying we can now talk about mental health with athletes we can now talk about mindfulness i think we were talking about mindfulness recently but it was more from like a performance uh angle like if if you do mindfulness you can get in the zone and you can um you can really focus and you can achieve this goal and you can win and so i think most recently we've shifted hey not only if you do mindfulness it's, it's not just about like being successful in your sport it gives you tools beyond your sport like w- when you're not training it, it it gives you tools to to listen to your body and, and not over train it, it like you mentioned earlier like w- when is enough enough for training and so you you have this one section called train your brain and i was hoping yeah. you could expand on that
0: yeah we could start with like the mindfulness portion because um yeah it's so different now right like and still like there's parts in the book where, that talk about like using your imagery to perform better um i think there is a great place for that um but also there's just a great place to be really mindful about your body and about yourself so um one of the greatest tools that i learned was like a body scan I actually learned the body scan in a like trauma survivors group, right? So like this had nothing to do with sports whatsoever, but, um, what they would, what you do is you start from your head and you go all the way down to your toes. And this probably, if you're a yoga person, like you do this a lot. I never had done this. (laughs) It was like, what is this? Why do I have to think about my head? Like, who cares? But, um, It was really awesome to be like, what is hurting right now? Like, where am I holding tension? Um, And also, like, what am I feeling in terms of, you know, numbness, which was something that I had never noticed before? Or like, oh, my, my, my brain... Feels like crying or like my knees are stiff, right? Like it could be anything. Um, What is my temperature? What does my tongue feel like? Um, And so in running, like you can feel those things when you're just like laying down on your bed and you go through your scan and you might pick up on an injury that you don't know that you have, or that's like right at the beginning of being an injury. And how great is that tool, right? Because like the worst thing when you're a runner is to be injured. I know that for a fact. I hate it. Um, but you can sense it beforehand if you're just like really tuning in. Um, and I think that that is very powerful for people. And the other thing you might not understand is that you're feeling exhausted. Like you might just not see as a whole person that you're almost on the verge of burnout or not even quite burnout. just you're not feeling like you're 100% best. Um, So those are some things that you can notice like through the body scan. Um, But then like in the book, we go through how to do that on a run. Like, so if you're scanning while you're running, you might be like, oh, my shoulders are super high or, oh, my foot hurts. Um, But it's not necessarily an injury. It's just like a cramp or something like that. How do I get myself through that? So you're not just like, easing up or whatever, you're actually like building this kind of mental tenacity um, that will get you through 18 miles or 26 miles when you're in the race. So we do a lot of breathing, a lot of breathing into the different spaces in our bodies um, that will mend, you know, some of those tight spaces when you're running. Um, and I thought that that was a really cool and, and fun um, tool to have while you're on the run, but also like I do it when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm super stressed out and I'm like, okay, well, what is happening? Like, where am I holding this? Um, and that has helped me like really be able to be like, I need a break. I need to walk my dog or I just need to breathe into my shoulders and finish this assignment. So, um, like there just is such a huge benefit to being able to like notice what is going on in your body and then like self heal in some ways.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's excellent. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned like yoga, like yoga does, has a practice called yoga Nidra body scan. It's the same thing. And I think it's, it's hard for us to, to really practice that in, in real life. Like listen, you know, they say, listen to our bodies or well, what does that really mean? So it's so great to have an exercise where you're actually asked to like, like, like you mentioned, just lay down and stop and take the time to go through your body. Cause as athletes, we just want to keep going, 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 going. And so it's harder for for most athletes to stop. But if they can somehow master that skill or get better at it in the long run, it's going to really help their, 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 their physically and mentally.
0: Yes, 100%. And like the stopping is so important, the resting period and the... Because that's when you grow. Obviously, physically, that's when your muscles regenerate, but also mentally... If you have the ability to stop and see your progress or see where you're struggling, you know that is where you're going to make progress uh, mentally as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's come back to the breathing. You mentioned that for a moment because in the book you make a confession that you used to be one of those, and and, and these aren't my (laughs) words, these are your words, that you're one of those annoying gasping for air about to keel over on the trail type of runners. So...
0: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, I'm um, so ah uh, and this is like I love the breathing and running, like you know, now that I've figured it out, but yeah, I was th- that horrible person, like if you run a race, you probably like just have heard that person behind you that is like literally wheezing, probably spitting, probably like snotting onto you because like they can't control their breathing. So first, let me just say like, if you're breathing like that, you're probably running too fast, like for your cardiovascular ability. And that's just going to lead to you not being able to finish the mile you're in or, um, or injury if you are somehow able to finish it. Um, but you can train yourself. You can train your, um, heart and lungs to, run like via breath. Um so this comes from this training comes from a coach named Bud Coates who I used to work with at Runner's World and he literally wrote a book called Running on Air where he explains these different breath patterns. Um so the most basic way I can describe it is like your training pace where everybody calls like your talk pace. So I should be able to talk pretty much like this if I'm running. Um, but sometimes you don't have someone to talk to, so you have no idea what that pace should be, um, you could do a 3-2 breath pattern. The 3-2 breath pattern means that you are breathing in for three steps, so left, right, left, in, and then you're breathing out for the next two steps, and you kind of just, like, continue that pattern, um, and it will begin to feel natural. You can have other patterns of breath that will bring you into, like, faster territory. So like the two one where you're breathing in, in, then out on the next one um, is really great if you're running like intervals and speed work and all that good stuff. Um, But this will literally change people's lives in running because you will run faster if you start to run slower in your training. Um, And the best way to run slow, more slow, the best way to run more slowly in your training is to pay attention to that breath pattern and really match it with your footsteps. Um, The other thing I'll say is that if you are finding yourself like being disgusting, like me and running like, and wheezing simultaneously, like stop, like (laughs) take a few steps and really take deep breaths in and out. And then like refine a breath pattern that's sustainable um, because you're really not doing your body any benefit. That run is worthless. Like, eventually, like yeah, when you're racing, you're racing a five k. You will be out of breath at times, but it should never sound like that annoying person that is like spitting on you.
1: Which you said you once were. Back I in was. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I
0: was horrible in high school. I was like, I was. I was the worst runner. Like I plodded along like a giant Clydesdale and like just breathe. My breathing was terrible. I don't know how anybody even let me run. It must've looked painful.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> now it's great. Cause now you, you overcome it. So now, now you can speak, speak from experience. <laughs>
0: oh yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, you, you discuss self-compassion. Um, mm in the book as well. And I really related to that, like way back in, in my playing days, um, as, as a kicker, I would beat myself up at times. And I know like, I wasn't alone, like, you know, athletes like, like we, we have a tendency to do this, but you have some great techniques in there, stopping reframing. And the one that I, that I really liked was getting the word should out of your vocabulary. Can, Can you share some of these, these great nuggets of wisdom with us?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you relate to this because, like, I think a lot of people do, right? Um, Especially high pressure, like I said, solo sports people, which I feel like kickers definitely are. (laughs) So I'll start with um, reframing. Um, And there's a story I share in there where I am, like, um, really excited because I've just run a really good 16 miler but then there's this little self-doubt voice um that's talking to me and saying like "Ooh, what if you're peaking too soon in marathon training so i shared this with a friend who's like a really great marathoner like a 301 marathoner which if you don't know is like super duper fast um and i was like yeah i just ran a really awesome 16 miler and i felt super strong but i'm like really worried that i'm peaking too soon And she was just like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Like, why would you think that? And she was like, what if your training is working? Like, what if that's the case? Like, why, you know, why put all this, like, fear into yourself? So what I learned um, in terms of reframing is, like, not thinking in that, in that, like, kind of self-doubt voice and instead doing exactly what she did for me. So, you know... Yesterday I ran three miles and I was a little worried because I thought like this injury that I've been dealing with might flare back up. But I was like, instead of being like, oh no, like I ran too much and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm feeling strong today. I ran three miles. And it is like that really annoying self-talk that um, you have to just like be really nice to yourself. Like you would speak to your five-year-old self. That's how somebody has taught me to do it. And, um, you know, just constantly affirming that you are doing what's good for you. Um, So that's the reframing part of it. The erasing should is super fun. Um, (laughs) So I know a lot of runners might look at a training plan and they'll see the numbers on the calendar days. And let's say life got in the way and you were too busy one day. But at the end of the day, you're like, oh man, I should have hit that five miles. Like, no, that is ridiculous. Like, I I mean, like I can say that, but I've been there. But you can say instead, oh, I missed the five mile run today. That's okay. I'll get back on schedule tomorrow. But really, it it literally is just taking the word should completely out of there. And when you find yourself using the word should, like I should be faster or I should be feeling stronger or even like I should – have eaten healthier today like no like give yourself a break like we're under so much pressure um you shouldn't have done anything like you are doing the best you can every day um and then the last was stop signs like I love stop signs um <laughs> so anybody that struggles with negative thoughts um kind of like you know I am not fast or I am a slow runner whatever like it doesn't have to even be that extreme um it could be, I am not running my best. Just literally taking the time to stop. If you notice yourself being negative to yourself, picturing a giant stop sign, um, and then like making yourself back up and be a little bit more positive, or just filling it with nothing, like whatever. Um, it it's really helpful because like the more you do it, you get into this practice of being better to yourself and um, not automatically going to the most negative place you possibly can, which I know a lot of perfectionistic thinkers uh, love to do that to themselves, love to beat themselves up. But like in my experience, in my practice, like you really will get better because you'll be running freer or playing freer um, because you're not constantly mad at yourself.
1: Mm, that's some really good stuff.
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, you know, that's what, one of the many things I liked about the book. It was beyond just, you know, like the training guide, like stuff that could help people, runners, you know, running and not running. And then, then they, then they certainly cross over, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, we, we've reached a time where it's time for you to, to just, just to plug away, you know, where, where can they find your book? Where can we oh, cool. find you on social media? Yeah, just go for it.
0: Amazing. So yes, you can find Master of the Marathon um, on Amazon or Barnes Noble's or on the Penguin Random House website. Um, also, you can find a link at my website, AllieNolan.org. Please follow me and feel free to send me messages on Instagram at AllieAllieKnowle or on Twitter at RallyAllieRun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Hey, that well, hey, <laughs> Ali. thank you so much. Big thank you. I, I really learned a lot. Um, and hey, everyone out there, thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch up with you on the next episode. Thanks again.